And what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you can follow our social pages on Twitter and Facebook for the latest updates. As you may have noticed on our social pages, we have a guest in this week to talk about the upcoming UFC 292 event in Boston. So I'm happy to bring in one of my good friends, uh, Alex Molosley. Uh, Alex, what's going on? What's going on, Gary? Good to be back. Yeah, great to have you. I know we did one of these uh, maybe a year or so ago, but it's great to have you back. It has been uh, it's been over a year. It's actually yeah. last time we talked. It was um, UFC 272, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal, March 5th, 2022, to, wow. to, be, to be exact. <laughs> Fun fact, that is also the last time Colby Covington's actually stepped on the cage. Interesting. Yeah, well, cool. Quite a memory on you with that one. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, it's super exciting having this um, event coming to Boston. Um, so, kind of just general, um, what are some storylines that you think are worth noting coming into this um, event, which is uh, next next Saturday? Yeah, we are. Garden. We are eight days out from. Uh, the first Boston UFC event for the first time in four years. We have not seen a UFC event at the TD Garden since October 2019. Wow. So it has been a very long while since yeah. we have seen uh, seen some action. Um, so some storylines. I mean, j- just to talk about the you know the main event, mm-hmm. Bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling versus number two Bantamweight Sean O'Malley. I mean – the bantamweight division right now is, you know, it's been it's been real hot lately. I mean, you know, there have been so many fights moving around. I mean, fighters, you know, turning down uh, title fights, which is almost mm. kind of unheard of. And to to dive into fighters that have turned down um, title shots is actually um, number one ranked UFC bantamweight Marab Dualishvili, and he actually trains with Aljamain Sterling in. New York. So, and to put Marab's words, you know, to paper, he said he does not want to have a, no pun intended, does not want to have a Jorge Masvidal Colby Covington situation. As in, Marab and Aljo are training partners, they're best friends, and, mm. you know, Aljo is almost kind of a mentor to Marab. And Marab has been on a really, really big big win streak lately he actually just beat former ufc bantamweight champion Piotr jan by decision in a really really killer fight back in the winter so and it blows my mind because dana had spoke about it and said that's probably a really stupid choice by marab to turn down a title shot i mean you're the number one ufc bantamweight in the world and mm-hmm. you've really taken the division by storm and you know people have rejected fighting him and for obvious reasons, I mean, he's fantastic. I mean, he's a great wrestler. He's a really, really good striker. Mm-hmm. I mean, just overall, I mean, there's not a whole lot of bad you can say about Marab's, you know, fighting. Mm-hmm. So they naturally moved it down to Sean, who is the number two, who has also been on a pretty wicked roll. You know, he loves to say that he's undefeated, but he is 16-1. and one. But the defeat is, in actual actuality, a really bad injury that he— sustained during his fight against Marlon Chito Vera, who actually is also fighting on this card against Pedro Munoz. Mm-hmm. Number six, Marlon Chito Vera versus 
number 10 Pedro Munoz, which is also a fight that almost fell out. So Cheeto was supposed to fight Henry Cejudo, and he is also a double cha- He was a former double champion, flyweight champion and bantamweight champion, who had retired, I believe, two, three years ago and actually just mm-hmm. made his return. Actually, the last person Aljamain had fought was Henry Cejudo, and it was a really, really great fight. It was a five-round fight, went to decision. I mean, it was really, really good back and forth. And, I mean, I, I do believe in ring rust and taking three years off, no matter if you're, as he likes to call himself, Triple C, Triple mm-hmm. Champion. He was flyweight, bantamweight, and a Olympic gold medalist. I do heavily believe in ring rust. And mm-hmm. there was not too much on him, but he definitely did not seem as sharp or fiery as many UFC fans know Henry Cejudo to be and Henry was supposed to fight Cheeto Marlon Cheeto Vera and I knew going into this when they announced that fight that there's no way on God's green earth that Henry Cejudo would be able to fight a top 10 guy after losing to the champion there's no way there's no way he is 100 percent and as I and as I predicted two weeks later he pulled out of the fight and he had a tear in his shoulder. He had a slight tear in his shoulder and needed surgery, and he would have been out for six weeks, six to eight weeks, which doesn't look so well. And I thought to myself, I don't know who they're going to get as a replacement because I went through the rankings, and I'm looking at the rankings right now. If you look with me, Marab refused to fight. Sean would have been, you know, the Sean is fighting Aljo, so he would not be able to fight Cheeto. Right. Henry pulled out. Corey Sanhagen had a fight. Two weeks ago, so he already had a fight booked. Piotr Jan, number five, actually rejected the fight. He was the only fight who only fighter who actually didn't have a fight booked because the last time he fought was back in, I believe it was January, December or January when he fought Marav. So, and Cheeto, we're looking for a fight. He's number six. Yes. Rob Font, number seven, who's also a Boston native who was supposed to fight on this card, was fighting number eight, Song Yadong. Mm-hmm. And they were already fighting. Dominic Cruz had already come off of a loss from Cheeto. Dom lost via head kick from Cheeto just uh, two months ago, I believe. Pedro Munoz would another would have been another good option, which they ended up picking, but he had a fight recently mm-hmm. as well. Umar Namagomedov at the time was supposed to fight Corey Sanhagen, but ended up being injured, so at the time he was booked. Ricky Simon, Jonathan Martinez, Adrian Yanez, and Chris Gutierrez None of those guys, I would say when you're in 15, 12 to 15 in the rankings, mm-hmm. you're not going to fight somebody who's sure. number six. Sure. I mean, it's very, unless you really wow somebody, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> I was telling you that I was afraid that this fight was going to fall out because Marlon Vera is a very good fighter and there's not a lot of people who want to fight him, but they ended up finding finding somebody for him and there's going to be a big fight for Pedro Munoz. Good. So, but back to Rob Font, number seven, mm-hmm. and Song Yudong, number eight. They were supposed to fight on the main card. But when Umar Namagomedov, number 11 Bantamweight, who was also undefeated, was supposed to fight Corey Sanhagen, number four, <laughs> Umar got injured, and Rob decided upon himself to take a fight two weeks early. So Rob Font had just fought last week. He just fought Corey Sanhagen last week and lost. Now... The Boston in me was upset that we couldn't see, you know, another fellow Bostonian in the cage. But from a ranking standpoint, when you're number seven and you're fighting a number eight, I mean, it's not a huge 
it's not a huge fight for either guy. Because mm-hmm. either way, if Rob wins, if Rob had beat Song, I mean, he would have stayed seven and Song probably would have stayed number eight. Sure. Now, of course, that doesn't always mean it wouldn't change more drastically because we have so many Bantamweights fighting mm-hmm. on this card. Okay. But, I mean, I-, I can see why Rob took the fight against a number four guy in Corey Sanhagen because if he won that fight, he would have moved up in the rankings mm-hmm. a lot higher. But unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't win that fight. So. Gotcha. But, yeah, so there's that. Um, I know that you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, Boston guys. What um, – which like fighters are um like boston based fighters so the boston based fighters on this card it was rob font oh, okay and then there was somebody else was supposed to fight i can't remember who okay because they they change the ufc always changes the card so much and i see you know they don't always notify us when okay when when things fall out and i know there was a couple more at least one more fighter who was from boston i know was supposed to fight okay. on this card but Okay. I mean, they try to adhere to the crowds. And what I, I mean see. by that, yes. if you look at the third fight of the main card, that'll be Neil Magny versus Ian Gary. Mm-hmm. Ian Gary's Irish. Oh, and, if well, anybody, and if anybody knows anything about Boston, yes. that anybody who is Irish is going to have a major of course. major fan base behind mm-hmm. them. And Sean is also, a, is also Irish. Yes. He's from Arizona, but he, mm-hmm. is, he is an Irishman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's the thing with the UFC, and they're very good at picking fights that, I see. you know, sort of appease and adhere to a crowd. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. when we were back, when, when the UFC went back to Brazil, mm-hmm. there was a reason why almost every fighter on the card was from Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to, you know, appease the fans and yeah, get course. the fans happy to have home court advantage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So... Any other interesting storylines that you're kind of paying attention to going into this? So they had actually just announced that the winners of the Ultimate Fighters are going to be fighting their contract fights in Boston. So what I mean by that is the Ultimate Fighter is a TV show where two UFC fighters coach a bunch of guys in certain weight divisions. Right. And they will all fight each other in a um, quarterfinal and then semifinals and then finals. So, right now, it is the lightweight lightweight division and the bantamweight division. So, for, for those who also don't understand the weight classes, um, it goes flyweight, it goes, uh, oh, wow, I'm losing, I'm losing it. Flyweight, <laughs> bantamweight, featherweight, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, and then heavyweight. So, it all goes by weight increments. Flyweight is 125, featherweight 135. Featherweight is 145. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Bantamweight is 135. Featherweight is 145. Lightweight is 155. Welterweight 170. Middleweight 185. Light heavyweight 205. And then um, heavyweight is beyond but can't go past 265. Got it. So yeah, it, it's a lot of numbers. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's, it's a, a lot of yeah. numbers. So the tough fighters, the tough ultimate fighter. The fighters were lightweight, which is 155, and bantamweight, which is 135. Mm-hmm. So we've already we already have the lightweight final fight for tough, which is going to be Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Holoboff. And another thing that they did this year was um, eight rookies and eight uh, UFC veterans who have gotten who have been cut by the UFC. Interesting. Okay. And our coaches are Michael Iron Michael Chandler and mm-hmm. the one and only notorious Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. 
So how it just ended up being was Conor McGregor ended up taking the prospects and Michael Chandler ended up taking the veterans. So that was a very interesting way to go about it. And honestly, I think it made people who follow the show much easier, easier for it to follow, knowing that everybody on one team is a veteran and everybody on the other team is a prospect. I see. So the lightweights, Austin Hubbard and Kurt Hollibaugh, mm-hmm. are actually uh, former UFC fighters who have been cut by the UFC. Interesting. And the Bantamweight, we are still waiting, but it's going to be Brad Katona, who actually won the Ultimate Fighter. I can't remember what year it was. It was a few years ago, and he got cut by the UFC. So the next semifinal fight, which is the final semifinal fight, is going to be Rico DeShulo versus Cody Gibson. That is also two Bantamweights, Cody Gibson being the um, veteran and Rico DeShulo being the prospect. And funny enough, Rico DeShulo is from Peabody. Okay, well, there so you go. if Rico DeShulo wins this fight, I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to have a major, major fan base behind him. Of course. And not only that, Rico DeShulo is the only fighter on Conor McGregor's team to actually win a um, quarterfinal fight. Conor McGregor went 1-7 in his fights mm. for, for tough, which is unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. And, I mean, I could talk about tough all day long, but, I mean, if Rigo DeShula wins this fight coming up on Tuesday, tough is always on Tuesdays at 10 p.m., mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to have a major fan base behind him. Gotcha. All right. Um, so moving into kind of specific things to watch at the card, what are, like, you know, if you could give three or maybe a couple of, like, key things that you're going to be paying attention to? So key things to look out for in a UFC fight. I mean, these are not just guys who are, you know, slugging each other. I mean, these. Right. I mean, there are certain guys who thrive in different aspects of the fighting game. Like for mm-hmm. example, just to keep it simple, uh, for Sean and Aljamain, Sean is more a striker, whereas he would rather stay on the feet and he would rather throw very precise, fast punches and kicks. Okay. You know, to to everywhere, head, body, legs, mm-hmm. you name it. Whereas Aljamain Sterling would rather he is he was a I think it was I don't know if he was D one or D two but he was a collegiate wrestler, so not that not that Aljamain can't throw a punch because no, he absolutely right, can right but Aljamain Sterling mm-hmm. is more of a grappler and a wrestler and he will he will take you down and he will put his body weight on top of you and make you suffer and he will make you breathe heavy and breathe through your mouth and it is. You know, it's it's gonna feel like an extra zero at the end of his one thirty five. Mm. So let's just put it that way. That's okay. that's kind of how yeah. that's kind of how people should really go into it, looking at it as well. I mean, who is a striker? Who is you know a wrestler? Who is better? Who is a jujitsu specialist? Who is more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a Krav Maga type wrestler, or Muay Thai, or things like that? I mean, there's so many aspects around it, right? And you know, that is that's kind of how it you know, plays out. I mean, there's, there are reasons why, you know, people want to see, you know, people hitting each other all the time, nonstop is because, you know, most likely the guys are strikers, right? You know, they're mo they're most likely a striker, a uh, boxer, kickboxer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Muay Thai fighter, you know, anything like that. They're, right. they're, they're going to throw something quick and they're going to throw it fast and you better not blink. Cause if you blink, I mean, you, you'll be asleep. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one thing to look out for when you watch certain fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after this Bantamweight title, I mean, the Bantamweight title is, you know, everybody who sees a title fight always wants to know who's next. 
and especially when a title changes hands, it's, you know, people love to talk about who's next or whether or not this champion deserves a rematch or not. And in my opinion, if Sean wins, I do think Aljamain Sterling has absolutely proved himself to deserve a rematch. I mean, he's, okay. be he's beaten Henry Cejudo, who is a major veteran. He's beaten TJ Dillashaw, who is also a two-time, for former two-time uh, UFC Bantamweight champion. He's beaten, you know, uh, he he's beaten bad, bad men bad man <laughs> so you know he is absolutely deserving of, of a rematch so okay. that's definitely something to look out for okay and if and the thing is when titles change hands i mean there's so much more to talk about like who's next i mean in my opinion if sean wins it's either gonna go well it's definitely gonna go it's gonna go a rematch with Aljamain, and if for some crazy stretch of the imagination Aljamain can't beat sean a second time it's probably gonna go to marab duelis really next so okay. it's you know hmm. people like the contenders are coming after you like yeah. you, you've you've gone on top right. of the mountain but guess what i mean if you yeah. look down that mountain there are going to be wolves waiting there yeah. waiting for you to slip and fall and right. ready to take their take their name in line mm -hmm. so okay. and i mean just I, I mean there's there's nothing more to say about something like that it's just yeah. you know would you watch out for things like that and yeah you know yeah yeah so getting more into like specific fighters in your opinion mm -hmm. kind of a two-part question here mm -hmm. which fighter do you think has the most to prove um and then is there a fighter that you're going to be like watching closely so i think there's a few fighters that have a lot to prove okay so first of all let's i mean i not to keep beating a dead horse but definitely sean o'malley to start right. and the reason i say that is because he's the number two man in weight in the world mm -hmm. he hasn't fought in a few months i mean i i should have checked the dates on when the last time he fought was but he just fought he fought Piotr jan a little while back in a very mm -hmm. very controversial win split decision to the judges and he won that fight in three a three-round fight won by split decision who everyone thought Piotr jan won that fight because Piotr jan is a shorter sort of thicker guy who will pick you up and toss you and things like that mm -hmm. whether sean is a big bantamweight for for his weight class he's i think he's like six foot imagine being six foot and trying to cut weight to 135 he's mm -hmm. a big guy for his mm -hmm. weight class and he's got a major hype train around him i mean sean has knocked out many guys he has many walk off as he likes to call them sports center moments yeah i mean he has knocked out plenty of guys he's you know put on shows for people he i mean he's got a huge hype train around him mm -hmm. i mean he is he's honest and he's also the first uh He's also the first signed Happy Dad MMA athlete by the Nelk Boys. He's mm. very close to the Nelk Boys. He's very close to Dana White. He's made a huge internet um, following. I mean, he's got a major hype train around him, and he loves to say that he's 16-0. and 0. Yeah. But, I mean, sure. I, I do believe that if Sean wins this fight, I mean, this place is going to – TD Garden is going to explode. Okay. So another okay. fighter who I think has a lot to prove would be Ian Gary. Okay. He is number 13. Uh, he still has a ways to go, but he is also undefeated. He has beaten a lot of guys um, and really shown who he is, and he deserves to be in the top 15. Um, he's actually – he was supposed to be fighting. This this opponent he's fighting right now, Neil Magny. He was number 11, Neil Magny. He was supposed to be fighting um, number 7, Jeff Neal. And unfortunately, Jeff Neal, I think, had a really bad, I think, shoulder injury i believe so he had to pull out of the fight and this was actually i think just a couple of days ago and they were able to find neil magny as a replacement 
um, I think either yesterday or or this morning or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. Ian Gary has a major, major fan base behind him, and he already has the Irish flag behind him, which is already a big enough fan base as it is. Yeah. I mean, he's got greats like Conor McGregor watching him. Mm-hmm. He's got you know he's got mike tyson watching him he's got mm-hmm. a bunch of people watching him hmm. i mean he's now even he even went down to brazil and trained with former ufc lightweight champion charles Oliveira. so not only does he have ireland behind him but he has a very very big big piece of brazil behind him mm-hmm. so and he's now trying to become he's trying to be more you know confident he's trying to talk more smack he is trying to you know what i like to call psychological warfare he likes to get under get under people's skin and he Mm -hmm. likes to get under fighters skin he you know he he's he used to he um had conor mcgregor behind him i mean conor mcgregor he met him back in 2014 and i mean conor's been watching him ever since and conor used to used to really get in the head of his fighters which was really advantageous for him when he used to get mm-hmm. in, like just for an example connor got in the head of jose aldo and there's a reason why he beat him in 10 seconds because jose, jose was very stiff and he had not been you know heckled the way that he did mm-hmm. and just to put it into perspective ian gary before jeff neal pulled out ian gary made a t-shirt of jeff neal's mugshot jeff neal was in prison um just a short while ago and he put his mugshot on a T-shirt, and he wore it around like crazy, and paraded mm. around it. So he's trying. So Ian Gary is trying to take the steps of uh, a 2016 Conor McGregor, which That's is great. great. So, and it's not only that, but if he wins, he'll be able to keep moving up on the rankings a little bit. Mm-hmm. He'll probably move up to at least number ten if he wins this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my personal favorite, Mr. Cody Garbrandt, the f- another former UFC bantamweight champion. Mm-hmm. He is a collegiate wrestler at Ohio State. Was a collegiate wrestler at Ohio State. National champion. Um, uh, he beat Dominic Cruz for the UFC Bantamweight champion, championship um, and he has been kind of on a dry spell lately he's won mm. one fight I think out of his last actually well now it's two fights out of his last I believe five and you know he fought TJ Dillashaw back in 2017 or 18 I believe when they both actually coached on the Ultimate Fighter and mm. Cody was winning the first fight um, when they met, I believe, in 2017. And he won the first round. He had knocked TJ down. And in the second round, TJ was able to um, finish the fight on the ground and actually TKO'd him. And Cody had a um, rematch with him in 2018, and of course he didn't win that as well. And then he was out for a little while. He had a bunch of personal injuries and personal issues and things like that. And he won his fight against uh, Rafael Asuncao in a buzzer beater of a knockout. I believe it was back in 2020 or 20, I think it was 29, early, late 2019, early 2020. And it was fast. He had just gotten a new team and he had a new coach and he was quick and fast and just, you blink, you miss his punch. I mean, that's how Mm -hmm. fast he was. And he seemed to be back in his element and he won in a crazy, threw a crazy right hook at the end of round one or two, I believe, and slept Rafael Asuncao. So people thought he was back, and then he had a bunch of injuries, and he had lost another fight, and he just won his last fight against Trevin, uh, Trevor, Trevin Jones or Trevin Giles um, by decision. So mm-hmm. th- that fight was more so of a you know kind of 
showing that he still has it. I mean, he's been around this game for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, and he's unranked, which is really sad to see a former champion who is now completely unranked in the division, especially somebody who was a former champion. Mm -hmm. So this fight for Cody is definitely to show that he is still, he's still able to fight this game. I mean, he's still able to, you know, throw lightning punches. He still can show that he is a former champion for a reason. And he is able to not only get back into the rankings, but could, in a few fights, if all goes well, could become a, a title contender again. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the last fighter who I think I'll be watching very closely is Chris Weidman. Now, Chris Weidman is a major veteran in this game. He's been around a very, very long time. He's fought guys like Anderson Silva. He's fought guys like Dominic Reyes. <coughs> Excuse me. He has fought a lot of good, good names. And he's a former middleweight champion. And he's coming off a gruesome, gruesome leg injury, which people thought would have ended his career. He threw one calf kick, Hmm. one, in his fight against Uriah Hall, and his shin turned into Uriah Hall's leg. It wrapped around it. Hmm. A really bad fracture break, and we haven't seen him in two and a half years, three years. Hmm. So that's going to be another fight we're really going to have to look out for for Chris Weidman. Mm -hmm. Which uh, main event talked about quite at length. Um, who do you think has the uh, edge in that uh, in the title fight? In which one, uh, Aljamain or Aljamain uh... and uh, Sean? So I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it because I would rather Sean win this fight. Mm-hmm. But as many UFC fans know, ground game wins fights. It's it's really horrible to say, but it's it's true. I mean, when you dominate on the ground, you win rounds. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, I can think of so many fights that opposing fighters could have won if their opponent didn't take them to the ground. And just for a couple of examples, mm-hmm. when Israel Adesanya, the current middleweight champion, decided to move up to 205, light heavyweight champion, to take on then light heavyweight champion Jan Blachowicz, he was winning that fight. Israel is a kickboxer. He's a striker. Mm-hmm. And Jan is a big, big six foot three guy. And he will t- pick you up and toss you. And he had him on the ground for two rounds, round four and round five. And that's how Izzy lost that fight. He handed Israel Adesanya his first loss, which is insanity. And even just as of more recently, Alexander Volkanovsky, probably the pound for pound greatest fighter in the, in, in the UFC right now, went from featherweight to lightweight. He's the current featherweight champion to take on the current lightweight champion, Islam Makachev. And he went up, and he was winning, and he, I believe Islam took him down for one round and had really good ground control on him and was able to maintain the back and control. And everyone thought Volkanovski won that fight, and they gave it to Islam. It's just, it's, hmm. it's, it's no surprise that a wrestler is fighting a striker, and I will not be surprised if Aljermaine takes to his collegiate background and takes mm-hmm. Sean down. And I, I believe just, you know, rationally speaking, I mean, Aljo is not going to want to, is not going to want to stand up with Sean. He's not going to. I mean, Aljamain is also a very good striker. I mean, he's knocked tons of people out and TKO'd people, but he, he's not going to want to stand with somebody who is taller than him, who's lankier than him, and has the ability to just throw one punch, hit you on the button, and, and you're going to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So... As of right now, 
I believe Al Jermaine is probably going to retain this title, which yeah. I don't want to say, but it's no. probably going to happen. Um, other than this uh, title fight, what other fights at the event are you looking forward to to, to watching? Because so, it seems like there are plenty of interesting interesting ones. Absolutely. I mean, just just to name one first off, it would definitely be Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Hollibaugh. Those are two guys in the right. tough finale. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are two guys who are clawing their way back into the UFC. I mean, they had really good runs in the UFC and unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, didn't didn't show Dana something and mm-hmm. they they were both cut. Sure. I mean, it's just it's one of those fights where it's these guys have absolutely everything to lose. Everything. And when they have when when fighters have everything to lose, they're going to put it out on the table and right. it's going it, it, to they become classics. Mm-hmm. They really become classic fights. Mm-hmm. Another fight Actually, in the prelims would be Andre Petrosky versus uh, Gerald Mearskirt. I think I pronounced his name. I know this guy, but I can't remember his name. Andre Petrosky actually won his his year of the Ultimate Fighter. He became the Ultimate Fighter in his dis- uh, division, I believe, two years ago. It mm-hmm. was the Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega were the uh, coaches. And okay. Andre Petrosky was one of the guys, I think, on Volkanovsky's team who won their final fight in the Ultimate Fighter. And they've been doing. He's been doing very well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's. I think he's only lost one fight in his. I think three fights he's had in the UFC. Uh, let me see. He's. Actually, I lied. He's. Uh, he's. Um, I think he's won. Yeah, he's won four. Four out of his last four. So he's mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely another guy we'll be watching out for. And then. I'd probably say. Not to go on to the championships, but definitely the co-main event in Zhang Wei Li and Amanda Lamosh. That's okay. gonna that's gonna be a barn burner. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Um, so, I'm always curious about um, the UFC in terms of you know marketing and how can it get into kind of the minds of like casual sports fans. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the UFC is doing the best it can? in terms of marketing the sport and i guess are, are there ways that you think that they can do better oh absolutely I, th- I think they're marketing themselves i don't really know how much they could they could do better i mean they were yeah. the first sport to come back during the pandemic sure and i think they had in their first um i think their first either fight night or pay-per-view back mm-hmm. i think they had at least i think they had over two million people watching wow which is insanity mm-hmm. and I mean, I can definitely say that, you know, before this pandemic, people really weren't watching too many fights unless they were Conor McGregor, you know. And, I mean, the UFC has been partnering with so many people who other companies and other sports leagues won't. I mean, like, the UFC has partnered with, you know, new faces and a lot of internet personalities. I mean, just to put just put into perspective, the Nelk Boys, mm-hmm. I mean – Dana was introduced to Kyle of the Nelk Boys, I think, back during 2019-ish, so to speak, because Kyle is a big UFC fan. He's a big George St. Pierre fan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did, they've done collaborations together. They've done merch collaborations together. They've done, um, you know, a crazy amount of, of work to get their names out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the UFC, I mean, there's you won't, you won't see, con- as they say, controversial. They, you won't see controversial... Uh, YouTubers like the Nelk Boys doing something for the NHL 
mm-hmm. or and or the NFL or anything like that because they don't want to dip their hands in something like that. But the UFC mm-hmm. doesn't care. I mean, that's how they get people to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. they they go to people who have lots of eyes on them mm-hmm. and they market. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 really inspiring to see mm-hmm. that happen. I mean, Dana will work with people that nobody else will work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dana White hired a um, a girl from Hawaii who went viral at Best Buy for stopping somebody from stealing a TV, and he hired mm-hmm. her as security. I mean, there's you know, Dana White goes to a lot of lengths to really market the UFC, and honestly, I don't mm-hmm. really know how much better he could do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. So, um, just kind of as a final kind of a kind of wrap up, people that are listening that are interested in you know keeping up with with ufc news other any people that you like pay attention to that are great in terms of information or like anything like that so definitely i would i mean follow ufc and dana white on on instagram i mean that's Mm -hmm. the best way you get any fight news on anything yeah um you know i mean the ufc instagram account and dana white will put out um alerts and notifications and fight news, you know, mm-hmm. almost daily. I mean, even gotcha. multiple times a day, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. And there are so many other, you know, fan made Instagram accounts that, mm. you know, leak news and things like that. Yeah. And, but definitely, even just fight reporters. I mean, one one mm-hmm. in particular would be Ariel Hawani. He's he's been in this game for a very long time. I mean, I mean, he's to 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 put it into perspective. He I would say he's the Stephen A. Smith of of, of just MMA. I mean, there's nothing he doesn't know. I mean, he's always, he's the one asking the hard questions. I mm-hmm. mean, he's got one of the biggest fighting podcasts probably, you know, in the world. Um, you know, he's definitely one to look after. John Morgan would be another one. He's also a wicked, wicked, big sports broadcaster. Uh, Brett Okamoto, he is mm-hmm. on the um, ESPN MMA account. Uh, he does a lot of work with, he does a lot of interviews with fighters, as a matter of fact. If it's not any UFC commentators like Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, John Anik, anything like that, I mean, Brett Okamoto would be the next person. Mm-hmm. And then even just the fighters themselves. Yeah. I mean, following them on Instagram, you yeah. know, certain fighters who speak out to you, I mean, especially the younger guys, the yeah. unranked guys, I mean, mm-hmm. those are the guys who are going to try to make their name known. Yeah. I mean, those are the guys who are going to leak their fights or mm-hmm. sometimes they'll even say that their fight is signed before the UFC would announce them. That's so, I mean, definitely fighters, mm-hmm. fighters themselves. Yeah. And I mean, fighters also, you know, tease stuff as well. You know, like fighters who have beef with one another will always take, you know, subtle jabs or maybe not even subtle jabs, just straight up jabs yeah. at them. No pun intended mm-hmm. on all of their social media accounts. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have a lot of people talking about them. Mm-hmm. So, that would be right. the first thing to get, you know, that that'd be the first thing I would recommend for people who want to get into the sport and want to watch the sport. Okay. Um, well, great having you on the podcast. Uh, yeah. We gotta we gotta do this more often. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, so UFC two ninety two coming up next Saturday at the Garden. So uh, yeah, it should be a pretty pretty fun environment and streaming on espn plus at 10 p.m that is the main card and uh starts at 10 o'clock on the east coast 
uh, 7 o'clock on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, the prelims, I believe, start at 8 o'clock on the East Coast and 6 mm -hmm. o'clock, or no, excuse me, 5 o'clock on the West Coast. Okay. And I will be in attendance. Good. I will be in attendance. I will be in the house at Good. UFC 292. I could not pass up this opportunity. Absolutely not. It's been four years, and we don't know when they're coming back, but hopefully they'll be back a lot more often now as the world is starting to uh, get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Alex, mm -hmm. great having you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, folks. Thank you, as always, Gare. All right.